special, Lord, to be united with other believers and followers of Jesus Christ, Lord. It, it was just something that, it, it just overflowed my heart. So I thank you, Lord, for that. I pray that um, those people who saw you maybe for the first time, Lord, I pray that would just be one step in many steps to come in their lives. And thank you for doing that. Lord, and for today, as Pastor Jay shares, Lord, would you just speak to us? Would you speak through Pastor Jay? Lord, and for our hearts and our minds, would they be open to, Lord, what you would have for us today? May we see what you would want us to see, Lord. So we love you, and we thank you for being here with us now. It's in your name I pray, in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. Thank you. Great prayer. It's, it's a privilege to share this platform with Pastor Charles and the worship team and to be in this room with you. I love coming here, and I'm grateful for the opportunity to open God's Word with you, which we're going to do in just a moment. I want to begin with a question, which is related to what we talk about in this room all the time, but maybe you've asked your, yourself a question like this recently. How does, how does Jesus want me to live my life? You and me, how should we live our lives right now, between now and when he comes again? We're going to touch on that in this message, right? We're in, the, we're in the Gospel of John, and the last four chapters, we've been in the same location. What I mean is Jesus has been in what's called the upper room. It's just hours before he goes to the cross, and he's spending his last moments with his disciples, with the apostles, and he washes their feet. He shares a, a last supper with them. He, uh, he gives them hope in, the, in light of his imminent death. Um, he talks to them about the Holy Spirit, who he will send. But then we come to chapter 17, their last moments in this room, and Jesus prays a prayer. It is All of chapter 17 is a prayer. The whole thing is a prayer. It's, it's the longest recorded prayer of Jesus uh, in Scripture. And, uh, you know, in the Bible, you'll read this at some point, that out of the heart, the mouth speaks. In other words, whatever's in your heart, you're going to end up saying, right? But this is, this is also true, that prayer is a window into a person's heart. If, if you want to know what's really in someone's heart, listen to their prayers or listen to your own prayers. And so as we go through John 17, this prayer of Jesus, we get a window into his heart. But not just that, we also get a window into what he wants you and me, how he wants us to live our lives, you and me, live our lives between now and when he comes again. John 17, we can't look at every single line in this prayer, so we'll uh, we'll hit on some certain elements that help us arrive where we need to be to answer that question, how should we live our lives, all right? So let's, this is how the chapter begins. You look at the Bible with me if you like. After saying all these things from the previous four chapters, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son so he can give glory back to you. Now, those are big words, glorify and the word glory, they're tied to the, here's a Greek word for you, doxazo, that's the verb, to glorify. The noun is doxa, glory. And it means to give honor and praise to someone, to ascribe value, wonder, and splendor. And that's what, that's what, that's what Jesus is saying. We're, we're, glory. That's what, you've, maybe you were raised in a church where you sang the doxology. Praise God from whom all blessings flow. I won't do the whole thing. 
but uh, the doxologist means giving praise to God. Years ago, I learned to glorify means to like, like shine the light on somebody, not on yourself, but on somebody else, to glorify that person. And so Jesus says, glorify your son, which, which in first reading, you think, wow, that it sounds a little self-serving, Jesus. I mean, aren't we supposed to begin our prayers with praising and thanking God and then get into asking for things, right? But, but look how he finishes the sentence. Glorify your son so he can give glory back to you. I, I think what Jesus is saying is, I want my life to be so attractive that people in the end will be attracted to you, that they will give their praise to you. So this prayer already gives us a window into his heart. He is possessed with this idea of giving glory, shining the light on his Father. Now, what did Jesus do to make that happen? Let's continue. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, that's key, completing the work. What is the work that Jesus was given to do? Why did Jesus come? Why did the Father send Jesus? That's because not one of us in this room could make our way to, to God on our own. We needed help. We need somebody to come and pay the price of our own sin, our own rebellion against God. And so Jesus came and he died on the cross for our sins. And then he rose from the dead, and then he went to be with his Father, and his work was done. He lived the perfect life without sin, paid for our sin. His work was done, right? And so he gives glory to God. Now, how do you and I give glory to God? What, what is our work? We're, death on the cross has already been done. Right? As I look around this room, I think, wow, you know, you have another breath left in you. You have, you have another beat left in your heart. Isn't that a good news, right? And maybe even another day, maybe a set of days, and who knows? But Scripture is so clear that with every day we have, every breath we have, every beat of the heart we have, we are to shine the light on God, glorify God, not ourselves. Now, what does that mean? It means wherever we find ourselves doing the work of God. What is that? Like today, when you go home and be with your family, that's a work of God. Tomorrow, when you show up at work, you're there to serve God, not your boss. You're there to work for God, in a sense. Living in your neighborhood, maybe with those neighbors that are hard to get along with, we're to glorify God. And everything we do, we are to do our work. The things that God has given us to do in life, Glorifying God, loving God, loving people. So that's the first thing we learn, that we, that we are to glorify God by doing the things he's given us to do here on earth, to finish our work just as Jesus finished his work. But the, the, it continues. Now I am departing from the world. They are staying in this world, but I am coming to you. Holy Father, you have given me your name. Now protect them by the power of your name so that they will be united just as we are, during my time here, I protected them by the power of the name you gave me. I guarded them so that not one was lost except the one headed for destruction as the scriptures foretold. That last line there, he's referring to Judas who betrayed him. 
But look up at the third line all the way to the right. He says, now protect them. The word protect shows up a couple times in his prayer. Protect, protect. That's a word I understand, right? All of us understand the idea of protect. We, we know what it means to protect our possessions, to protect our nation, to protect our health, to protect our family, especially protect our kids. As I, as when my kids were younger, I mean, I really felt that as a dad. It didn't take much. If I sensed any unkindness toward my kids, any unfairness, any injustice toward my kids, I, I found myself easily jumping into action to protect them. And then I found out the way to raise kids as they entered in the teen years. Don't let them leave the house. So, that, so that's what we did for years. Protect them, Jesus. That's his prayer. Protect them. Now watch how he continues the prayer, though. I'm not asking you to take them out of the world, but to keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to this world any more than I do. Maybe you've heard the phrase, we are not to be, what? Of the world, but in the world. Perhaps on a poster somewhere you've seen this, or if you've heard it said somewhere, that a ship is safe in the harbor but a ship is meant for the open water, right? I love my Christian fellowship. Perhaps you do too. I like being with the church. I like being in this room. I like being in a small group of other Christians. But that's not all I was meant for, and neither were you. We're called to be out in the open water. And so you don't hear Jesus praying, Father, this world's a mess. And there are messed up people. And there's messiness all around us. Remove these brothers and sisters from this world. No, he doesn't say that at all. What's his prayer? Father, this is so difficult for them to live out in the open water. But will you please protect them? And will you please guard them from the evil one as they carry my name into the world? And you look at the life of Jesus. How, who did he spend time with? Matthew, the tax collector. The woman at the well. The woman who poured uh, 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 perfume on his feet. The woman who was caught in adultery. That's who Jesus rubbed shoulders with irreligious people. And as his followers, he sends us out to rub shoulders with such people. Into the unknown, into the uncomfortable, into the unfamiliar, into the unsettling. God, protect them as they live out in the open water. That's what we are to be. Enjoy Christian fellowship, but we're to be outside the walls. One of our, we have five values here at the chapel. Our fourth one is to be relevant. We engage culture for Christ. We cannot engage culture if we are not engaged with, we cannot impact culture if we're not engaged with culture. So now the, the prayer continues. This is how it goes. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. That's kind of a religious -y term, sanctify. And some versions of the Bible, it said, they are made holy by your truth. Your word is truth. When you became a Christ follower, if you have, the first thing that happened to you is that you were declared righteous. You were declared right with God. You were made holy. You were set apart. But we are made holy to live a holy life. We are set apart to live a, a life that is set 
apart. The word, that's what the word sanctify means. It means to set apart something apart for a specific purpose. What's the specific purpose we're set apart for? To live for Christ here on earth between now and when he comes again. And so Jesus says, sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. What is a key way to live a set apart life? We are made holy, but what is a way to live an increasingly holy life where we honor God with our life? By his truth. Now, God's word is truth. We talk about this all the time in this room. and We won't get tired of talking about it because it's true. God's word is important. The intake of God's word is important. I don't know where you are in your Bible intake, but let me just say it's so important. I don't know. I can't tell you one growing Christian who is not also having a regular intake of God's word. And so we believe that so much that we've provided different opportunities for you. Maybe you've been here and you've heard this, but you know the, the chapel invested in what's called the Dwell app, so now it's available to you for free. You can get online and read all sorts of scriptures and different topics and things that are of interest to you. You can find out more about that at the Welcome Center, our Dwell app. Tuesdays and Thursdays, we send out what's called a Beyond the Weekend, where we give a devotional based upon the previous week's message. So today's message, there will be a devotional sent out on Tuesday and Thursday. Just give the Welcome Center your email, and you'll receive that. That's a way to take God's Word into your life. If you don't like reading, then Right Now Media. We also have an investment in Right Now Media. It's videos. You're not going to see your favorite movie stars, but you're going to hear some great things on Scripture and begin to understand how that can apply to your life. In the church here, we talk about row, circle, chair, go. Row is simply right now where we're together in this room. We're learning God's Word together. Circle is where we sit in a small group and, and, and have the Bible on our lap, and we're learning it together. But our chair time, that's our private reading time, and that's what I'm talking about, where you can use the Dwell app or Beyond the Weekend or Right Now Media, where you begin to take God's Word in your life. Why? I just shared with you a moment ago one of our values, we engage culture, but our number one value here at the chapel is, to, is that we depend on God and his word. Why? Because we believe his word has a transforming effect in our lives when we read it in a humble, surrendered way, right? Okay, so now we have, we have learned several things from Jesus' prayer. We, we have learned that we are to glorify God with whatever he's given us to do in life, at home, at work, wherever you may be. We have learned that we are to be uh, sanctified, right? But what, look, look at what he says next. And I give myself, oh, I, I even forgot to give you this earlier. I wanted to share with you the, 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 the reason, the reason that we are made holy. He says this, in verse 19, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice for them so they can be made holy by your truth. What happened? Jesus died on the cross, and when he died on the cross, he took our sins onto himself, and now simply we are to put our faith in Christ. What does faith mean? It's two sides of one coin. It's confession of our sin and it's repentance, turning and following Christ. That's how we are sanctified, made holy in Christ, and now we are to be set apart to live for Christ, Right? And one of the key ways we are set apart is by taking his word into our lives. Okay, let me, let me continue. Um, Just as you sent me into the world, I am sending them into the world. Now, look at the word 
sent and the word sending here. I'm going to just nerd out on you here just for a second and say that if you trace the word sent and sending all the way back to the, the Greek scriptures, it's translated eventually into the Latin, into the word missio, which is where we get the word mission. And so you could read this as saying, Jesus saying, just as you sent me on mission into the world, I am sending them into the world on mission. And that's you and me. Now, he's originally talking to his disciples in the upper room. I'm sending you. And man, did they take it seriously, right? There were 11 disciples with him. Judas had already left. Later on, they filled Judas' spot with another one. 12 disciples, 12 apostles go into the world. Thomas is one of those. He goes to India, where the chapel has a partnership with Hindustan Bible Institute in Chennai, southeast India, up on the mound in that city, giant city, in the, up on the mound is a shrine dedicated to Thomas where they say Thomas was martyred. Thomas went all the way to India. We're not asking you to go to India. You don't need to go to India. You don't need to go anywhere else but to where God has naturally called you. Um, I, I have the title pastor. Charles has the title pastor. That's great. But your title is just as important as the title pastor. Your title is just as spiritual as the title pastor. We do our job. You do your job. What is your job? It is to be sent. It is to be sent on mission. But to where? Now, now just for a moment, if, if you would, just pretend with me that behind me is this big map of Huron County. Or if you live outside of Huron County, imagine yourself out that way. But now... Take a, a, little, a little pin, will you? And just put a pin where you live on your street. And then would you take a, a pin and put it where you work? And then take a pin and put it where you coach. And take a pin and put it where you go to school or where you teach or where you shop or where you exercise. And now on this gigantic map, we have pins everywhere. And you know what we're looking at? We're looking at the church distributed out there. We're looking at the church sent on mission out there. It's not India, but it's your mission field, and it's mine. D.O. Moody years ago said, out of 100 people, out of 100 people, one may read the Bible. 99 will read Christians. Why is this so important that we take, we take this seriously? If we go back to verse 3 in his prayer, Jesus prays this, and this is the way to have eternal life, to know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. At the end of the day, what's at stake is eternal life. Not just life beyond the grave, but I mean life starting now. That's what eternal life is. And God wants to use you and me right where we work and live and play to represent Christ. Now, okay, so we've talked about, we've talked about glorifying God with our lives. We've talked about being set apart. And one of the keys to being set apart is by growing in his, understanding his word. Another way is to be sent. Here's a way. I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who ever believe in me through their message. I pray that they will all be one just as you and I are one, 
as you are in me, Father, and I am in you. And may they be in us so that the world will believe you sent me. I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. Now you can read in, in, that, in that prayer the word one, the word unity. This is what Jesus is trying to communicate. The, the other day at our elder prayer time when we prayed for the church, the devotional was out of Ephesians 14, and at the top of my page in my Bible, I had written at some point years ago, you can run faster alone, but farther together. Unity. We are one. Now, what a, what a beautiful picture of this was last evening in downtown Norwalk. Charles talked about it so well, about all that you had done. Those of you who had brought items in to give to the community. And those of the, you who were there in the blue shirts representing the community. But it wasn't just the chapel. It was many other churches, including the Hispanic church. It was so good to see everyone there serving together. Why? Why is that so important? So that the world will know God's love. We love each other. And God loves them. That was key. That was huge. Let me ask you a question. How can the church stay united? What is a key to the church staying united, remaining as one? How would you answer that question? Years ago, I learned a little phrase that I'll share with you. Maybe you've heard this. It's simply, the main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. So I want to ask you, what is the main thing? And I would say here at the chapel, our main thing is our statement of faith. <laughs> Go to the webpage, you'll find it there. And out of the statement of faith flows our five values. Those are the things that are the main thing for us here at this church. And there are many preferences we can have, many discussions we can have about other things, but not about those things. Those are the things that keep us united. Um, there's so many things churches can argue about. You know, the style of music, style of preaching, the color of the carpet, and so on and so on and so on. The main thing is to keep the main thing the main thing. Back when COVID happened in 2020, I thought it was over until last weekend. My wife got it. I have no idea how that all happened, but I'm negative, just to let you know. She's a very positive person. I'm a very negative person. And uh, the, I forget what I was going to say now. <laughs> no, it, it's, 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 um, oh, I really do forget what I was going to say. That's all right. Let me, yeah, thank you for COVID. Yeah, that's right. I wasn't going to talk about COVID, but I guess we could talk about COVID. Remember back in 2020, when COVID was a thing and there were so many tensions, even within the church, mask or no mask, vaccine or no ma vaccine. You remember that? And, and at that time, there was a lot of racial strife. And at that time, there was a lot of um, political strife. It was just a crazy confluence of terrible events, right? And there was all kinds of discussion. And, and a lot of churches struggled with this. 
And we were so determined to keep the main thing the main thing. And I was so drawn, I was so thankful for Scripture because the Apostle Paul, in his first letter to the Corinthians, he addresses 10 or 11 different divisive issues in that letter. Have you read that? And what does Paul do? This church is getting divided, and he calls them back to what? The main thing. The main thing, which he says is the cross of Christ. And then he gets to chapter 13, which people think is just read in weddings. It's not. It's to remind us that the cross of Christ should lead us to loving each other. Why is that so important? Because the world is watching, and the world will know that we are one, that we are in Christ. So, 2,000 years ago, Jesus prays this prayer, and he prays that we would understand what it means to glorify God, to shine the light on God, not on ourselves, but on God. Can you live that way? And then he prays that we would learn to um, live out in the open water, protected, rubbing shoulders with, with people that may make us feel uncomfortable, but we're called to be there. And then he prays that we would be sanctified, set apart, and learn his word and learn his truth and live by that. And then he prays that we would be sent people, that we'd have a sense that we are sent people right to where we work and live and play. And then he prays that we would be united, that we would be known as one so that the world sees God's love in our midst and is drawn to God. That's what he prays. So in in just a moment, I'm going to put on the screen uh, not all of Jesus' prayer. I'm going to actually put our own prayer up there which resembles some of what Jesus prayed. And we're going to pray it out loud. As you see it come on the screen, um, I'd like for you to just pray it out loud with me and then take a few seconds and make it your own personal prayer, privately, quietly, whispering to God. All right? So I'm going to, we're going to read it out loud together, and when you see another one come up, we'll read it out loud together, and then you pray quietly. So here's our prayer. Let's pray it together out loud. Here we go. Father God, We ask that you would glorify yourself through our lives. Now just quietly. Together, we pray that others would get a greater glimpse of your love because of how we love. Together. Father, please protect us from the evil one and protect those who are serving you all around the world. Together, sanctify us, Lord, by your truth. Make us holy by your word. Together, keep us from division and disunity. Help us to love one another and fight for unity. Together, may we experience such perfect unity that the world will know that Jesus is the Savior. And finally, Father, glorify your name in all the earth. Amen. And may the world know, your neighbors, your co-workers, the people we meet this week, may they know we are Christians. 
by our love for God and for each other. Have a great week.